Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Karn, and Mike Steenstra. Welcome to a bonus episode of Rooster and the Devil. Today, we present to you an in-depth interview with Jordan Gardner, chairman and co-owner of FC Helsinger. Earlier this year, Jordan and a group of American investors bought a club that plays in Denmark's first division, which is the second highest football league in Denmark. Part of why they bought the club is to act upon a vision that Jordan and the others had to develop American youth talent while getting them acclimated to playing European football. In this interview, Jordan gives us a glimpse of the journey of why FC Helsinger eventually became the right place for this vision to become a reality. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us, Jordan. We really appreciate it. But without further ado, here it is. Um, so first, I wanted to learn a little bit more about you. I understand that you played semi-professional soccer. Uh, kind of curious about your playing career and what led you to soccer in the first place. Uh, yeah, my dad was my dad was really passionate about the game playing when he was growing up. So he had me playing quite a bit when I was younger. Uh, I grew up in Davis, California, outside of Sacramento, and soccer is quite popular there. So I played played all growing up, and then. Uh, yeah, I went, went to college, and I ran a business, so I didn't play in college. But after college, I, I kind of got the bug again and, and played up you know, up to around a PDL level, and that was kind of the max of my career. I still play. I play like adult leagues now here in San Francisco when I'm not traveling. Um, but, yeah, no, it's kind of like a lot of other people. It's, uh, you know, it wasn't one of the other sexier sports. You know, I've always been a fan of football and baseball and basketball, but soccer was something that was just always different. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, it really kind of grabbed me and uh, kind of just, just ran with it. So then when did you get interested in the ownership piece? Was that pretty early on? You mentioned you started business in college. Was that soccer related or did that come later? No, that was, yeah, no, that was unrelated to, to uh, soccer. I would say about four or five years ago when I sold, I sold my business, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I knew I wanted to get into sports. I wasn't sure what sport, if that was ownership, investment, if that was being a front office. Um, and then I felt that, you know, soccer had a lot of expertise kind of background there. And then that's, that's how I got into it. I, I had a friend who owned the PDL team down in the, here in the Bay Area, and he, he needed some help, so I kind of jumped on with him, and the rest kind of kind of went from there. The rest is kind of history. And then was uh, so I understand your co-owner, part, uh, minority owner at Swansea City, co-owner at Dundalk. Uh, how did that come along? Yeah, those were just uh, you know through relationships I had opportunities presented themselves where I had people I knew who were looking at European football and and were looking at different projects and. Um, felt that I could add value to the projects, obviously in just very small ways. But those were, those have been really good opportunities for me to, to be involved with some pretty big clubs in Europe and get to see how they're run and see what works and what doesn't work. And I think sometimes investors, Americans in particular, jump into European soccer and don't really have a full grasp of what they're getting themselves into. And it was helpful to me to have a very, very small stake in some clubs and, and get that introduction. So now when, we, when we're doing a, a little bit of a bigger project, it's not a huge club, but a bigger project in terms of what we're trying to execute, um, I, I, have, you know, I feel like I have the confidence that, that we have the experience to make it successful. Sure. And that actually is a good lead-in right into why we're here, um, FC Helsinger, this year, you bought a small Danish club with a with a group of of uh, investors with the goal of developing American youth talent, and 
it's fascinating. You know, I saw the Sports Illustrated article uh, where he explained a little bit about the model, but I'd like to hear a little bit from you. You know, how, how did this idea come about? How did it germinate? And then what was the process to get to where you are now? And then a little bit about the model. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, being involved with clubs here in the U.S., PDL, USL, looking at MLS, and, and being kind of a fan of American soccer and the, certainly the business side was was really kind of closely seeing trends, and, and it felt like American players were not getting first team in as young American players in MLS. I think the statistics back that up. It's it's getting a little bit better this year with Dallas and Philadelphia, but it's still the overwhelming majority of clubs are, are really ignoring the American talent pool. And that was on one hand. And on the other hand, we saw that American players were going to Europe at high rates, but it didn't feel like it was the right spot. Many of them, I think everyone talks about pools such as McKinney, but for every one of those guys, there were 50 guys that you haven't heard of that went to Freiburg and got lost in their under-19 setup and no one ever heard from them again. So having spent a lot of time in Europe, it felt like, look, I don't know why someone in America, in this case, doesn't own a club in Europe as kind of a soft landing spot for, for young American players at those young ages where they can get comfortable in the European environment, get the first team minutes they need to develop, and then by 18 and a half, 19, 20, get into those big European clubs much better prepared to actually play first team minutes. So I, I kind of came to the conclusion I didn't understand why someone hadn't, hadn't done it. You know, Americans own clubs in Europe, but they don't. none of them focus on the American player. And so it felt like the, the timing was right. There is always this appetite for Americans to go to Europe. And then um, you know, discovered that Denmark was the right spot for this for a variety of reasons, including the fact that culturally it's just very easy to integrate. Everyone speaks English. Um, the leagues in Denmark, you know, young players, you go to any game, young players are playing in almost every game. We were at FC Copenhagen versus FC Nordschland over the weekend. And uh, Jonathan Amon, who many of the people listening probably know about, um, he was playing, but, I mean, it was 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds all across the pitch. And so that that was really enticing for us. But at the end of the day, it's when you're bringing over an 18-year-old player, I mean, this is a kid in many cases, and they need to be comfortable. And so whether it's language or culture or what whatnot, you need to put them in environments to be successful. And I felt that a place like Denmark and a place like Helsinger with the infrastructure of American ownership and the fact that we know the American player was a unique recipe that no one else could, could offer. I mean, can we compete with the big German clubs to sign the top young American player? Player for player, of course not. We can't compete. But we can offer them many things that that German club can't, including first team minutes and including a support system that that German club just can't offer. Sure. And and you mentioned infrastructure being something that drew you, drew you to FC Helsinger. And am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Helsinger. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a way to say it in Danish, in Danish but I'm sure I butcher that too. So you have a, uh, a new stadium, and what else drew you to their infrastructure as far as the player development model? Yeah, I mean, the new stadium opening this summer was a big piece. Again, it's not just that it's a stadium with some stands and a VIP area. It's the fact that the stadium will host the, house the entire academy. So the bottom level of the stadium will have locker rooms and facilities for the first team all the way down to the U13. So if you go to a proper big football club in Europe, that's the way it's done. All The entire club is located at a central facility. Uh, first team players are walking down the hall and interacting with under 15 players. So that was really important to us. Many of the clubs we look at in Europe and, and in Scandinavia either didn't have academies or have very poor academy infrastructure. Um, the geographic location of Helsinger is really important to us. It's close to Copenhagen, but it's not so close that it's that it's basically part of the Copenhagen metro area. So it has its own distinct catchment area. It's very close to Sweden. So there's there's interesting things we can do from a from a catchment area on Sweden. So it's 
it's a really it's a really good spot. Um, I think it checked a lot of boxes for us, and certainly other clubs checked some boxes, but this one in particular, I think, was was the best fit for us. And it looks like you guys have really hit the ground running since you bought the club. What does the next year look like? I, I know you hired uh, Omid Namazi, who is a former U20 U.S. Um, assistant coach, and then you um, looked like you signed an American player. I'm, his name escapes me at the moment. But what does the next year look like for you guys? And then further down the road, where, where do you see this going in the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about signing players. It's about executing the model. I mean, we brought in uh, Colin Warner, who's a former MLS player from Minnesota United. You know, he doesn't fit the age profile in general that we're looking at, but you know, he's a really will, will be a really good mentor for the young players that we have coming in. Uh, we have a handful of kids already over at the club on trial, and we're anticipating this summer to sign three or four young players. And so, you know, moving forward, it's about creating our, you know, our recruitment strategy, executing on that, bringing players over and signing them, and then obviously making sure they're developed in, in the right way so they can move on to bigger clubs. It's really just about executing at this point. Sure. And you mentioned targeting 16 to 19-year-old age range, but you also just mentioned you had U13s. Do you have Americans as young as 13 interested in, in the idea? We do have Americans at all ages that are interested. Unfortunately, with the FIFA regulations, we can't bring any Americans over until they're 18 unless they have access to an EU passport and they can come over at 16. So, you know, my philosophy is that we want Americans in the European environment at the youngest age as possible for their development. Now, obviously, we have to do that within FIFA regulations, but uh, we're certainly looking at a lot of kids just as they turn 18, kids at 16 with an EU passport, and then not exclusively 16 to 19. We're looking at some kids who have come through the college system, you know, players like Colin who are a little bit older that can offer something different. So you know, our core focus is those younger age groups, but we're also adding d- different pieces at different profiles as well. And it looked like uh, you were recently in uh, an era divisi game. Feyer Nord, I'm slaughtering that name. Um, and you, you, just, you described the atmosphere as being amazing. What kind of atmosphere do you think you'll get at FC Helsinger um, is that part of the whole the model in the next coming years to improve that? Yeah, I mean, I think the new stadium will help. It's not a huge geographic region, so we're never going to have an atmosphere like a Feyenoord, but I think we can certainly improve that and create a, an environment that the players will be excited about. Um, you know, there's some big clubs in Denmark, Bromby and FC Copenhagen that have really big, uh, massive followings and incredible game day atmospheres. I think you know, we, we have to start somewhere and we would love to build that. But, you know, the core of this model is developing players. It's not necessarily creating an incredible game day atmosphere, you know, in terms of priority. priority. Sure. I guess you live over there now, right? Originally from the States? Uh, no, no. So I'm in San Francisco. Um, you know, I obviously have been over in Denmark quite a bit. Uh, I'll probably be going back and forth a week here, a week there. Um, and then we'll be, you know, I'll be in a lot of other places, uh, you know, at the U20 World Cup. Uh, we ha- I'm not going to be there, but one of our guys is going to be at one of the DA events over the summer. So it's really about hitting the ground running and, and having visibility on a lot of these players. So that's, that's going to be a lot of what I'm doing with, with my staff. So, um, and then it also looks like you're trying to develop a, an English, an American presence on social media. Um, wanted to see if that was just a concerted effort to do so. Um, you know, trying to hit that market, that teen market. No, it is. Yeah, I mean, we have we, we, one of our priorities uh, right away was launching an English language social media. We have an English language website that just got launched. 
Um, eventually, in the near future, we'd like to have an English language, uh, fan, you know, English language fan club or an American fan club. I think we'll want to get our games streamed, streamed here in the states at some point, so there's a little bit more visibility. Uh, we're talking about bring, bringing Helsinger to the U.S. in January for our winter camp. Oh, so I think that will give us a lot of a lot of visibility. You know, all, all of our owners, many of them, have stakes in U.S. clubs, so I think. Um, you know, we'll be able to play games and do preseason and do all that kind of stuff. So we really, you know, again, we're a small club. We're not going to dent this U.S. market in terms of competing with Barcelona and Bayern Munich and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's so much, if I learned anything from this project, there's so much interest in young Americans. And if, we, if and when we start bringing these players in, I think there'll be a lot of eyeballs on what we're doing and people will want to engage with, with the product. Sure. And you also mentioned looking at other leagues around Scandinavia. What are, what are some of the other leagues that intrigued you? in searching for this, for the, for the right place for this project? Yeah, I mean, look, Sweden was interesting, although there's some ownership restrictions, just like Germany, where you can't buy a majority stick, so that was a little bit prohibiting. Uh, Norway, we looked at Norway. I mean, it's interesting. It's just not as high of a level as Denmark. The reason Denmark was interesting is it is the best league in Scandinavia and has a, a tradition of moving players onto bigger leagues. And geographically, it's a little bit closer to Germany and some of the Holland, Belgium, some of the bigger leagues. So... Look, I think you can do this model in some other places. It, it doesn't work everywhere. Some areas, there's uh, foreign player restrictions. Some areas, like Holland, have very high minimum salary requirements to get a work permit. So it kind of depends on the country. But, um, yeah, we felt uh, Denmark checked the right boxes for us. Did you get any pushback from other owners around the league that are, you know, maybe some that are specifically from Denmark about coming in as an American group and, and establishing this model for American players and, you know, in a foreign country? Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, I talk a lot in the American media about the American player. You know, obviously this is not going to be 18 American players, but the local Danish players are still important for what we're doing. Um, you know, there are quite a few clubs in Denmark that bring in foreign players. It's part of the structure there. There's a history of that happening. So I think between that and the fact that uh, Danes, Danish people think very positively Americans, we as of Americans, I don't think we've had a ton of pushback. But, you know, we certainly have to be cognizant of the local community and making sure we're, we're aware that, you know, if we're bringing in an American player, he has to be better than the Danish player that's currently there sure. or else that's going to alienate a lot of people. So I think an ideal mix for us down the road will be 50-50 American and Danish players, and that'll, that'll give us plenty of opportunity to showcase Americans and move them on and then make the local community happy with, uh, with what we're doing with the club. That sounds, that sounds amazing. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. We'll definitely be watching along. I'm, uh, I'm rooting for you guys. All the success in the world. Um, yeah, so thanks so much. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. If there's anything else I can do, let me know. Oh, yeah.